welcome to Progressive News Network, otherwise known as PNN, our Sunday show. My name is Janine Moloff. I am the executive producer and your host. Well, this Sunday, I'm just going to get straight into it. Uh, and this is going to be really the beginning of a series off and on about the increased uh, growth in what can only be called white supremacy, neo-Nazism, kind of a, a a neo-confederacy that is arising in the GOP. You can't miss it. And this is the first episode, all right? And I came across this information quite by accident. Uh, I was on Facebook, and a Facebook friend uh, sent me this little, this little narrative, and in it it was about this, this report that really, really tells the story. And the report, it comes from an institution the Institution for Research and Education on Human Rights. And so we're going to, you know, get to that. So this week's show uh, deals with the subject of white supremacy. You could call it neo-Confederate, neo-Nazism. It all has a common denominator. And it deals with the subject this week of infiltration. White supremacist extremists have infiltrated state-level legislatures in droves, and they did so in the public eye, and they were aided and abetted by basically slander mills like Fox, like OAN, and so on and so forth, and even by some of the stenographers at MSNBC. Let's get a little real here. And then they did so also with the major help of tried and true propagandists like Tucker Carlson. Now, these same white supremacists occupy seats of power in the very same state legislatures that Supreme Court conservatives intend to make all powerful with this pending Roe decision. Because, and you can read more about it because I'm finishing up my piece on the pending Roe decision that will run in BuzzFlash. And what you find is that Judge Alito in formulating the argument for the conservative majority is basically handing power over to state legislatures using the old bromide of states' rights. You know, that was the same pile of BS that was used to <clears throat> justify Jim Crow laws, hell, it was used to justify slavery. And this is what they're handing back. So this is all kind of coming together. And the old states' rights bromide has come roaring back with a vengeance. And honestly, you could argue that the Confederacy has won the contemporary war on democracy itself by taking over state legislatures in many states, especially in the Midwest. So we're going, and this report I talked about names extremists, and we're going to be talking about a few of them today. So this episode is going to discuss this newly minted report, which has identified various white supremacists, yes, by name. And as I said just a few minutes ago, this is the first report in a series on the subject. Now the report was authored by the Institute for Research and Education on Human Rights. And the report is aptly titled the following, Breaching the Mainstream, a National Survey of Far-Right Membership in State Legislatures. It's pretty, pretty to the point there. So that's our big story. And then after we're done with that, we're going to have our Jackass of the Week Award. And this week, it's a very special it really warms my cockles of my heart. The very special Jackass of the Week Award uh, because it 
also deals with a Karen that is so full of Karenicity that I've already sent an email to Dr. Rashad Ritchie on the Young Turks to feature her as, you know, basically the queen of Karenicity, at least for the month. Okay, so we'll get into that in a little bit. So I'm going to take a little sip of my tea here because my voice doesn't always support me. All right, so let's get on with the actual report. Today we're going to talk about the introduction to the report and one, one or two, a couple of these extremists. And it's truly frightening. So the introduction of this report, breaching, titled Breaching the Mainstream, a National Survey of Far-Right Membership in State Legislatures, conducted by the Institution for Research and Education on Human Rights. Um, we start with the introduction, and I'm just going to read straight from it, actually. Quote, an essential element of the Institute for Research and Education on Human Rights mission is to track far-right efforts to advance from the margins to the mainstream. One critical area of concern for the United States is how deeply the far-right has penetrated state politics, end quote. Uh, it goes on to say, quote, after insurrectionists tried to overthrow the presidential election of January 6, 2021, small pieces of this puzzle start, started to emerge, end quote. So I'm reading straight from the report right now, okay? A little more tea there. And these, pu these puzzle pieces are the following, quote, several state legislatures took part in state-level efforts to undermine the results of the 2020 election. A state senator gave full-throated support to white nationalists. 48 state and local officials, officials, including 10 sitting state lawmakers, were outed as members of the far-right paramilitary group, the Oath Keepers. These are but a few examples of far-right activism by state legislators. In addition, while attention rightly focused on the insurrection underway in Washington, D.C., the acronym for this group, IREHR, documented that 45 insurrectionist rallies also took place in 32 states on that day, and that, as, that is documented by this institute in a, a report titled Beyond D.C. Mapping Stop the Steel Insurrection Rallies in the States. You can read the report yourself. Making crystal clear, again, reading straight from the report, making crystal clear that what happened in the nation's capital was part of a countrywide social movement also targeting state governments. The depth of far-right activity in state legislatures is still largely unknown. The information to date is fragmented and far from a complete picture. This report changes that by bring, this report changes, I'm sorry, typo. This report charges that by bringing much needed context to the national discuss, discussion, the IREHR research team reviewed the data of thousands of far-right groups on the Facebook platform and found deepening ties between far-right groups and state legislatures. IREHR researchers identified, get this, 875 state legislators serving in the 2021, I mean, sorry, the 21-22 legislative period and representing all 50 states who have joined at least one of 789 far-right Facebook groups. That is 11.85% of all state legislators in the country, end quote. Okay, just straight from that. This should terrify anyone who is either not a white Christian 
conservative, white supremacist, anyone who's a minority, just should. So this group also um, believes that their research, their findings really are probably understated, that the depth of the problem is far worse than what they found in this one report. And there's several chapters. That was what chapter one talks about. Chapter two looks at this big picture, and they look at national data at, you know, regarding legislators in various states, state legislators that have joined these far-right, not only Facebook groups, but also groups as well. Uh, and it's broken down by partisanship, gender, geography, and what chamber of the state legislature they serve. Chapter three, that's where they name names. They profile 10 state legislatures, I'm sorry, they profile 10 state legislators who, as they put it, quote, exemplify various corners of the far right, specifically. And I'm reading this directly from it. Quote, one lawmaker is a member of a of sovereign citizen and posse comitatus influence groups. Another is active in many different COVID denial groups. One was a prodigious joiner of Stop the Steal groups bent on overturning the 2020 election. Another is a member of militia groups and Ammon Bundy's People's Rights Network. It includes a profoundly homophobic legislator who turns bigotry into policy. And another is a prolific joiner of a panoply of far-right Facebook groups, end quote. And then chapter four of this report discusses these far-right groups, some 789 of them that these state, various state legislators belong to, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> outlines ideologies, political goals, and so on and so forth, okay? Chapter five weighs what they call the legislative impact of these various white supremacists that are in these, these all, all, I won't call it far right, I'm gonna call it alt-right groups. And alt-right was an earlier term that really designated groups because they were white supremacists, neo-Nazi, homophobic, misogynist, you get the drift. <coughs> Sorry, folks. <coughs> and chapter five goes into it more. They talk about how the legislative impact has promoted, um, you know, efforts promoted efforts to suppress the vote of minorities, to limit reproductive freedom, prevented efforts to slow and curtail the pandemic, um, attacking the LGBTQIA community, um, attacking the right to peaceable, or real, attacking the right to nonviolent protest, let's put it that way. Quote, outlawing the discussion of racism. I find that one particularly disgusting. You know, I thought these people believed in free speech, but apparently not. You know, apparently the only people that have free speech rights are the bigots. Okay? If they can call us libtards, I can call them bigots. Which, by the way, when you think about the amount of intellectual um, deficiency it takes to coin a term and use a term such as libtards, I mean, it not only speaks to their intellectual deficiency, it speaks to their moral deficiency and their relative collective immaturity. Okay? So that's kind of what this whole thing is about. It has, this report has an extensive bibliography. Again, you can read it yourself. But let's move on into the legislators, okay? 
<coughs> Excuse me, folks. Oh, this is miserable today. It's actually cold here in St. Louis today. <coughs> a week ago, we had temperatures in the 90s. Now it's in the 60s and tonight in the 50s. Mm. Let's move on. So now we're going to talk about Chapter 2, the specific legislators. And there's one they really point out, uh, but we're going to talk about a couple different ones. So first of all, they mentioned how um, there was this this um, rally, if you will, or what was it? it was a, yeah, it was a rally in Meridian, Idaho. And apparently Arizona State Senator Wendy Rogers, GOP, traveled like 900 miles to go to Meridian, Idaho, to this rally. Okay? And Rogers kept saying they stole the election. Forget the fact that there were some 60 challenges to the election count. Some were Trump-appointed judges. And they said it wasn't stolen. But, you know, the GOP of Trump and worse doesn't let truth interfere with their collective bigotries. So apparently this uh, Arizona State Senator Wendy Rogers told the crowd, quote, we can never give up. This is our country and we're going to take it back. And we will not move on to 2022 until we find out the truth until we find the truth about 2020, end quote. Now, I love when these bigots say how they're going to take the country back. Take the country back from whom? I mean, they never specify because they don't want to admit that they are incredibly racist. It's like the whole thing about conservatives. When you ask them, you know, the word conserve is in the, top, is in the name, conservative. And when you ask them, what is it you want to conserve this dull, stupid look falls over their face, and they just go, uh, 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 they have no clue. They have no clue because they know that their movement's not about conserving anything other than the status quo, which is white, Christian, male privilege, and that is achieved by abusing everyone else, stripping everyone else of their human rights, period, end of story. These people, and by the way, I'm not taking calls. So if somebody feels the need to call, you know, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna uh, recite their phone number on air. This is not that kind of show. We don't take freeloaders, at least I don't. And the fact is, this movement is such, you know, they they really bristle at being called racist. Apparently, being called sexist doesn't bother them as much, but. Being called racist, they, they just, they get so incensed. Well, my attitude is, if you are so insulted by being called racist, then don't do racist things. It's that simple. But, you know, we're talking about a type of reciprocity that these people are too immature to comprehend. Okay? Make no mistake about it. This, this white supremacist movement across the country in my opinion, not the report, in my opinion, is the rise of the neo-Confederacy. And like spoiled children, they want their way. That's it. It's not about anything else. It has no moral center. It has no academic credibility, no intellectual credibility. 
definitely no moral credibility. It is just about maintaining and increasing a white Christian man's, what they perceive to be right, to abuse the rest of us. That's it. Nothing else. And there's this end justifies the means mentality that has permeated the GOP. Well, the problem with ends justifies the means type thinking is that when people that really buy into that, that not only do they have no honor, but they can't be trusted. They're willing to basically do anything to get their way. So the word is worth nothing. People that are ends justifies the means are perfectly comfortable lying, stealing, cheating, enslaving, and yes, murdering. Okay, that's it. So anyway, getting back to the report, I kind of went off a little bit. Sorry, folks. Uh, Arizona State Senator Wendy Rogers, she's at this rally in Meridian, Idaho, gives this asinine speech. And then um, she wasn't just alone. Apparently, Idaho has their own state rep named Dorothy Moon. And she really is into all these election conspiracy documentaries. Apparently, Dorothy Moon called Rogers her, quote, new best friend and said, quote, we are sisters, sisters of the West. According to the report, state, Idaho State Rep Dorothy Moon is, quote, a member of six different far-right groups documented in the report, including COVID denial and militia groups. And on top of Senator Rogers' stop the steal election denial efforts, um, you know, apparently this woman also gained national notoriety because she embraced white nationalist figures online and spoke at a recent white nationalist AFPAC 3 conference in Orlando, Florida. Apparently this, what I can tell, this Dorothy Moon. Um, it's very telling that a white nationalist conference was comfortable in Florida. Why wouldn't they be? I mean, uh, Governor DeSantis, DeSantis I mean, no, DeSantis, is perfectly comfortable with white supremacists. And as for COVID denialism, Okay, these people, <clears throat> they hate science. A and again, these people aren't very bright. Did it ever occur to any of these COVID denialists that the science clearly states COVID is airborne? But did it occur to them that big money wants everybody back to work because they don't want to lose a single penny? They don't care if workers die. You know, big corporations don't care that we have lost over a million Americans that have died to COVID in slightly over two years. They don't care. So apparently, this um, state rep, Moon, was at, speaking at this white nationalist conference called AFPAC 3 in Orlando, Florida. And she wasn't the only one. Apparently, Idaho Lieutenant Governor Janice McGeechan spoke at that same Florida white supremacist gathering. And Lieutenant Governor McGeechan was also the featured speaker at the Meridian, Idaho event. Okay? So when this group looked at the Meridian, Idaho rally, okay, um, what the report found was that the same far-right, the, the same bigoted ideas came across, the same themes, and they were the following. One, election denial. Now, mind you, 
if Trump had clearly won, they wouldn't be screaming election denial. This isn't about making sure all votes count. This is about them getting their way. The Meridian Idaho rally also included COVID denial and anti-vaccine health freedom. Well, you know, I, I know some people that claim they know more than medical doctors, claim the, I had one friend who claims the vaccine is poison and she won't put poison into her body. I felt like asking her, okay, I'm medically far more vulnerable than this unidentified person. And I feel like saying, do you think I want to put poison in my body and I'm fully vaxxed? Again, they've been duped because big business wants them at work. Big business wants them out and about spending money. The fact that they or their kids might die, they don't, big business doesn't care. This is, if you will, a, you could say that COVID is a corporate-enabled genocide, you know, of convenience because corporations don't want to lose money. Apparently, the Meridian Idaho event also included attacks on Black Lives Matter, Black history as well under the critical race theory idea, was anti-abortion, it was groomer, anti-LGBTQIA bigotry, and then there were open appeals to white nationalism, according to the report. You've got to remember something here. This whole critical race theory nonsense, first of all, I was a teacher for 30 years in a public school system. And I can tell you, critical race theory is never taught at the K through 12 level. It, and there's a reason for that, because academically it's way above that level. Critical race theory is taught either if you're perhaps going after, uh, let's say, a PhD in history or political science or uh, race studies or something like that, or in law school. So unless you have some majorly advanced kindergartners, it, it's, it's not only a lie that critical race theory is being taught in our schools, it's an incredibly stupid lie. What this is about is states like Florida and my home state of Missouri, they don't want the truth of our nation's history told. They want to make sure that the kids coming out now are going to be good little Confederates and neo-Nazis, period. We see outbursts of racism all over the country. You know, you don't have to look any further than what happened in Buffalo, New York. That monster was 18 years old. He murdered several people in that grocery store, and he was motivated by the, uh, what they call it, the great replacement theory being constantly pushed by Tucker Carlson. There's no guesswork here. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> oh, boy. Hate asthma. Anyway, that's what's happening here. And, you know, when you teach the truth about history, history should make everybody uncomfortable. How can you address the problems of society if you refuse to see the full truth? You can't. You know, when I was a kid, I was taught that, uh, you know, in 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue, and then I was also taught that the real reason behind the Civil War wasn't slavery. No. It was states' rights and increased taxes. Eh, wrong. Now, I went to a so-called top school district, and there were other Jewish students there, and we stood up to the teachers and went, excuse me? No, the Civil War was fought about, fought about slavery. Slavery was big business. Those plantations that were so glamorously pictured, portrayed in, you know, films like Gone with the Wind, 
there's the plantations of farm. That, that was big business. Some of those plantations were the monetary, the wealth equivalent of someone like Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk. Slavery was big business, and the Civil War, yes, was fought because of slavery. And we didn't care if we got in trouble because we didn't want to be lied to. The teachers telling us this were white and Christian. Okay? And we challenged them on it, and I'm proud of that fact. So the critical race theory banner, all this nonsense. Now, Lieutenant Governor McGeechan from Idaho uh, shared the stage in Meridian, Idaho, at this white nationalist rally, along with a couple of people, one of which was alleged journalist Michelle Malkin and somebody named Stu Peters. Now, it's really kind of funny because Michelle Malkin loves these white supremacists, even though she's not white. Michelle Malkin, I believe, is Vietnamese and something else. And very pretty lady, but when you look at her picture, it's clear she ain't no white girl. But I guess she thinks because she's on their side that they're her buddies, and she's too either naive or thick-headed, even though she's intellectually right. She's too thick-headed in terms of common sense to understand they're using her brown-skinned ass. And the minute she no longer serves a purpose, they're going to do to her what they want to do to every other person of color. Now, this other person, Stu Peters, he's a white boy, okay? Now, Michelle Malkin, she used to write on a, she wrote on very, a lot of big newspapers, okay? She's intellectually very bright. She's just morally reprehensible. And it's not because she's a conservative. It's because she's a bigot. You know, there are conservatives that aren't racist. You know, she wants to raise her public profile, I guess. These are people that don't care how they get to improve their professional stature. They don't care who they step on. They don't care who they hurt as long as it benefits them. And they are lower than dirt as far as I'm concerned. So Michelle Malkin um, was talking about dangerous pedophiles. And apparently, I guess she was, calling all liberals or libtards pedophiles, which, you know, by the way, if someone calls me that, I will sue them out of existence for slander, libel, and defamation. And here she is, a journalist. She knows she's supposed to have her documentation, but she doesn't have it. She just is comfortable slandering, and when she writes, libeling with impunity. She went on to say, quote, those people in public office who claim to represent your values and who are in bed almost literally with the woke enemies, who are predators of your children, are traitors. They are traitors. They deserve to be run out on a rail. Okay, first of all, there's so many wrong things with that, that statement. It's beyond belief. Um, who's they? Okay, please identify who you're talking about. And where's your evidence? Where's your evidence of treason? Where's your evidence of pedophilia? And then she had to push the woke enemies. Okay, apparently, you know... Look, I'm going to back up a little bit. We're still talking about the report, but I remember my mother, God bless her, and she would say there's nothing meaner than a bigot who's been confronted with their bigotry. You know, how dare you get uppity with them? And that is precisely what this, this irritation with woke is. Okay, woke is that you are aware of the systemic racism 
And yes, the systemic misogyny and the systemic homophobia that has basically elevated white Christian males, systemic religious bigotry as well, above everyone else. Okay? It's, you're aware of the fact that systemically the system's rigged. Period. And it's so obvious, and it's still going on, but back, you know, in what, the late 1950s, early 60s, the late RBG, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, she graduated, what, from Harvard Law, top of her class, and the only job she could get was as a legal secretary. That's why she went to work by herself and with her husband. That's a perfect example about systemic misogyny. Just is. But see, these white Christian bigots, they want everything to look like, you know, leave it to Beaverland, where they're always pre-eternally innocent. And it's these bad minorities that are causing all these problems because it's not the truth. I, I, I know, I'm on a rant today. But that's what Malkin had to say. And Malkin also adopted, according to this report, the buzzwords of white nationalism. When you say white nationalism or white supremacy, let's call it out what it is. It's Nazism. White supremacy, confederacy, all of that is Nazism. There's a reason why Hitler looked to the Jim Crow laws and the Jim Crow South and the white supremacists for his pro, as his prototype for the Holocaust. They are the same. Okay. So she adopted, Malkin adopted the buzzwords of white nationalism, such as, quote, reclaim our public schools and inculcate, quote, historic American values uh, in our children to create immunity from the, quote, Marxist virus and, quote, anti-white hatred, end quote. Okay. Again, so many things wrong with that statement. Some of us don't necessarily hate white people necessarily or hate white Christians. We hate their bigotry. We hate the hate they bring. We hate the unfair privilege they have over the rest of us. We hate the way they co-opt our cultures. White Jesus is a perfect example. You know, where he looks, he's got silky blonde hair, blue eyes, pale skin. You know, looks like a young Brad Pitt, except it's not possible. Jesus probably looked more like um, uh Oh, Lord, that football player, what's his name? Um, can't think of his name that right. Jesus was a brown man, a brown man of Jewish faith, period. Jesus probably looked more like Colin Kaepernick. There you go. And this enrages these people because they want a fairy tale. But their fairy tale is our horror story. Make no mistake about it. Uh, then Stu Peters got up. So that was Michelle Malkin, who knows better, by the way. She's a, you know, her writing style, she's a, she's a good writer. She's been a journalist most of her adult life. She knows better. She knows that those statements she made were clearly slanderous and defamatory. She doesn't care. Uh, Stu Peters was on the stage, too, at this Idaho event. Now, Stu Peters was, in another career, a bounty hunter. That's nice. And he loves those white nationalist themes. He has a Minnesota-based podcast. And he 
quote, according to the report, quote, amplified the extermination's rhetoric on stage in Meridian. Exterminationist, excuse me. Uh, Stu Peters began with this really bigoted attack on public schools. He said, quote, if Tiny Brad cared so much about stopping child abuse, maybe he'd do more to get groomers and perverts and tranny freak shows out of our public schools, end quote. And apparently, uh, Tiny Brad is Idaho Governor Brad Little, who was a target. Apparently, his lieutenant governor hates him. And then Peters ramped up the attacks, uh, and he Stu detailed what he'd like to see happen. Uh, to According to Stu Peters, as he gave the speech in Meridian, Idaho, at this conference, quote, this is not an enemy that can be reasoned with. It has to be met with firm resolve. You don't negotiate with Antifa. You imprison it. You don't ask permission from Dr. Fauci Mengele to go outside. You ignore him, and you indict him, and you try him, and you fry him. I guess in electric chair, in other words. This got applause. Then Stu went on a little more. He says, quote, you don't reason with critical race theorists. You fire them. And then you take their educator's license and you put them on a list to fire educators so they may never be hired again, ever again, or be in a classroom with our children. In a nutshell, you don't do deals with the devil. We allow God to work through us and we crush him, end quote. So again, my question is, does Stu Peters and Michelle Malkin, I'm sorry, Malkin not comprehend the principles behind charges of slander, libel, and defamation? Apparently not. Now, this is inciting violence. Make no mistake about it. Okay, and when you call somebody a pedophile or a groomer, that's the type of insightful rhetoric that used to be used to incite a lynch mob. And lynch mobs really did happen in the South and the Midwest. They didn't just beat up black people. They pounded them, they abused them, then they murdered them, all the while, usually by hanging, all the while these white people had their picnic lunch and their kids running around playing. That's how morally bankrupt these white nationalists are. And again, they get angry because we call them out on their racism and other bigotries. So then there was another cuckoo bird. This guy's name was Diego Rodriguez. This was all at Meridian, Idaho. And this, he apparently, Mr. Rodriguez loves theocracy, the idea of religious, uh, religious law, religious government. And when people talk theocracy, what they, translation they mean, white Christian government, you know, basically back to the, the lunacy of the pilgrims, you know, and burning witches and that nonsense. Apparently, Mr. Rodriguez um, is affiliated with Ammon Bundy's People Rights Network. He did make an appearance on, on stage during the rally in Meridian, Idaho. Um, so once again, let's get back to Idaho's Lieutenant Governor McEachin. It is truly frightening um, that this Lieutenant Governor and this is, let's see now, yeah. It's truly frightening that this woman is lieutenant governor, okay? It, 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 it just is. Um, okay, and I just lost my place, folks. It's 
There we go. Um, you know, she is just, I, it's frightening that the people of Idaho elected her. Seriously. So at the end of the rally, Jan, Lieutenant Governor Janice McGeechan came back to the stage and she supported a man named Todd Engel. Now, Mr. Engel had been previously sentenced to 14 years in prison for his role in the Clive and Bundy Bunkerville standoff back in 2014. Now, this Meridian Idaho rally, in my opinion, is really an example of growing neo-Nazism. Um, you know, it, it just, I know this all sounds like lunacy, but it's real. And this wasn't in the Deep South. This was in the Midwest. Okay. The fact that this received so little press is truly outrageous. Okay. So we're going to skip ahead here. Now, there was a geographic breakdown. Uh, if you can read the report yourself, they talk about the research approach. Um, they did look at other social media platforms other besides Facebook, like Twitter, Instagram, Telegram, Gab, Parler, MeWe, Wimkin, Getter, and Truth Social. But Facebook seems to remain the, the dominant group. Uh, and the research team searched thousands, thousands of far-right Facebook groups. Excuse me, far-right Facebook groups. Okay. Sorry, folks. I don't want to lose my voice. There was a partisan breakdown in a review of some 7,383 seats in state legislatures during the 21-22 legislative session. The research found that Republicans held 4,011 of total seats. Democrats held 3,277 total seats. And on the Republican side, some 872 had joined far-right Facebook groups. That's 21.74% of all Republican state-level legislators. On the Democratic side, three had joined far-right Facebook groups. That's 0.09% of all Democratic state legislatures. So the breakdown is very obvious. This is the GOP. The study also noted that no libertarian or independent legislators were found in any far-right Facebook groups. Now, maybe they were in other ones, but not in that. There was a gender breakdown. The men dominated for the most part. But the legislator we're going to talk about today is a woman. Um, they also looked at the representation of state legislators in various states. Um, the breakdown of these extremists was highest in New Hampshire, followed by Pennsylvania, Minnesota, Missouri, Arkansas, Montana, Maine, Georgia, Washington, and Maryland. And there's a complete breakdown of all the state totals. So this, and there's a chapter, you can look it up yourself, but it just shows you the Midwest. And I lived, I've lived in the Midwest my entire life. The Midwest, in my opinion, when it comes to racism, when it comes to white supremacy and all these other various bigotries, this is much a shithole as the Deep South. If you don't like what I'm saying, don't listen. Okay. The comparisons, you know, Facebook, it's funny. 
you know, Facebook loves to claim that their community standards are so fair, but they're not, okay? In fact, there's been several, doc, several uh, articles that document it, that Facebook bends over backwards to be permissive towards these white supremacists, you know, but if I call somebody a white supremacist jerk, I wind up in Facebook jail for three months. Go figure. All right. So, again, great bibliography. We're going to move ahead. So we're going to spotlight one of these legislators today, okay, because I'm not going to be talking for the whole two hours. And this one, she's been in the news recently. Her name's Susan DeLemus. And the part of the report, the headline is from Posse to Sovereign Citizens, Susan DeLemus. She's a Republican in the New Hampshire State House. The district is Bradford County, number 24. She belongs to sovereign citizen-style groups. Now, sovereign citizens believe that the federal government has no legitimacy, and they try to intimidate others. They use what the report calls paper terrorism, harassment tactics to push far-right ideology. Um, again, a lot of their beliefs that the federal government's illegitimate is, sounds a lot like the old Confederacy to me. Delimus is a member of what's called the Common Law Jury of New Hampshire. That's a Facebook group of like some 402 members. Um, the administrator of the, let's see, administrator David Johnson is pushes the sovereign citizen claim that the 14th Amendment is unconstitutional and draws the sovereign citizen distinction between state and 14th Amendment citizens, end quote. Um, and it gets worse, okay? The Facebook group is pushing for the creation of, quote, common law juries for each county. I don't know what that means. Um, and they really go off on the International Monetary Fund, so on and so forth. Um, and you can look in the bibliography, something called Constitutionally Constructed Nationalism, Sovereign Citizen, Chapter 4, and, um, you know, that's in... You can read it and report yourself. So Delimus became involved in posse-style politics before being elected to the New Hampshire state law, state house, that is. Um, by 2018, she joined the posse influence groups Lavoie Finicum, One Cowboy's Witness, Hashtag Liberty Rising, American Patriot Boys, Rural Land Rights Advocates, it Matters How You Stand group, National Stand By Me for Liberty Community, and Verdict Watch. She also joined the far-right paramilitary, three United Patriots of New Hampshire, and she joined the successionist New California San Bernardino. You know, when they start talking succession, that is exactly like the Confederacy. And that's treason. That's real treason, but anyway. And apparently she's been influenced by her husband, his name's Jerry, Jerry DeLemus, because he's been engaged even longer. In 2017, Jerry DeLemus was sentenced to more than seven years in prison um, for his role in, this, in the Clive and Bundy standoff with federal agents in 2014. Now, Clive and Bundy, the whole thing was that Bundy refused to pay grazing fees on federal lands for over 20, years. And grazing, you know, I guess for his cattle or whatever. 
And he argued that the federal government didn't have jurisdiction and only county sheriffs could enforce laws. Well, if these are federal lands, <clears throat> then of course he has to pay fees. And if it was his private property, it'd be a different story. And why would county sheriffs enforce the laws? You know, apparently Mr. Bundy doesn't believe in federal government at all. These people don't. And so anyway, there was his armed standoff. Susan DeLemus's husband, Jerry DeLemus, did plead guilty to, quote, one count of conspiracy to commit an offense against the United States and one count of interstate travel in aid of extortion, end quote. He had a plea agreement. Um, according to the plea agreement, I guess DeLemus admitted he brought firearms and other armed activists to Nevada from New Hampshire and that he performed some security for Bundy. So anyway... This is what's happening. Susan DeLima's voice support for Posse Comitatus notion that the county sheriff is the one that has power in that county and the feds can't touch you. Um, and then apparently Susan DeLima's posted an article defending this, this, federal, um, this fe federal breakdown, you know, where they were up against federal agents. And it was... Uh, yeah, uh, let me, I lost my place. So, yeah, it says here, quote, after posting an article defending the armed takeover of the Malheur Wildlife Refuge titled, Utah Sheriff warns BLM, I will deputize everyone and arrest all federal agents, end quote. DeLemus commented, quote, this is exactly what we need, constitutional sheriffs, end quote. Okay. I don't know what Black Lives Matter has to do with any of this, but this happened in 2014, so... I'm sure what really ticked these people off is that a black man was president. Anyway, these people call themselves constitutionalists. Um, and Susan DeLemus, since 2016, has also posted material from a woman named Chris Ann Hall. Now, Chris Ann Hall is a far-right constitutionalist as well. And listen to what this nut job wants. Chris Ann Hall, a far-right con constitutionalist, claims, get this, it's the 14th, 15th and 19th Amendments are unconstitutional. Now, keep in mind, the 19th Amendment is what gave women the votes. Apparently, uh, Ms. DeLemus is fine with a movement that would attack her right to vote and hold office. So let's look at, and it's not too hard to assume, I won't use the word assume, it's not too hard to hypothesize that these white supremacists also hate the 14th, 15th, and 19th Amendments. Donald Trump himself really despises the 14th Amendment. Why do they hate the 14th Amendment? Well, the 14th Amendment is really kind of long. You know, it has, let's see now, five sections. But the big part of it is birthright citizenship is one. You know, maybe your parents came here from another country. At, like, for instance, none of my grandparents were born here. My parents were born here, so they had birthright citizenship. My mom's dad was a naturalized citizen. He had to go through that whole rigmarole. Donald Trump and his fellow bigots hate the idea of birthright citizenship, especially if you're not white enough or Christian enough. That's number one. But then I think it's Section 3 of the 14th Amendment that these neo-Confederates really hate because this is the part that reads the following, quote, no person shall be a senator or representative in Congress or elector of president, vice president, or hold any office, civil or military, under the United States or under any state who, having previously taken an oath as a member of Congress or as an officer of the United States 
or as a member of any state legislature or as an executive or judicial officer of any state to support the Constitution of the United States shall have engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the same or given aid and comfort to the enemies thereof. That's why they hate the 14th Amendment. That's why Trump hates it. I think Trump had already figured out that if he didn't get the votes he wanted for re-election, he was, I think his idea for insurrection was he had already figured that out way in advance. And they hate the 14th Amendment in part because of that part that if you engage in insurrection or rebellion against or give aid and comfort to insurrectionists, then you will never be allowed to hold office. That's what hates the 14th Amendment. The 15th Amendment? That's easy. That was passed in 1870, and it guaranteed that black men had the right to vote. Not women, just men. And right after it was passed, black men were running for office, they were voting. So it's pure racism, they hate the 15th Amendment. And the 19th Amendment gives women the right to vote. Okay, do I need to spell it out? I, I'm, I'm hoping that anybody who's listening has enough gray matter to figure out what I'm saying, okay? This movement, these white supremacists hate the 14th, 15th, and 19th Amendments because they, want, they don't want anybody who's a person of color to have any rights, and they don't want any woman to have any rights. End of story. And they also, part three of the 14th Amendment, want to be able to, to participate in insurrection and still be able to run for office and hold office. Okay? In other words, the rules go for other people, not them. So, Delimus has done a lot more, but you get the drift here. Okay? Um, you know, she, in 2017, she reposted Hall's declaration. So that stuff about the 14th, 15th, and 19th Amendment, that came from Chris Ann Hall. And then Susan Delimus reposted some more crap from Chris Ann Hall, and this declaration said that, quote, nullification exists, nullification works, and nullification is the right of every state to stand against the unconstitutional assertion of power by the federal government. The feds don't want, I'm sorry, the feds don't have the manpower or the resources to enforce their laws and regulations. Once we really know it, then we realize all we need to do is to refuse to comply, end quote. And that comes from the same group, from the same report. You can look at it in Chapter 3. Um, there was, what's really concerning is that here Susan DeLemus posted Hall's ideas about nullification, but DeLemus also served as the clerk of the House Committee on State-Federal Relations and Veterans Affairs. Do you see the, con the conflict of interest there majorly? Now, and then 2020, Susan DeLimas, never to be left out of any, you know, lunatic fringe cause, she took up the COVID denial cause. Keep in mind, over a million Americans have died from COVID, but this lady thinks it's the flu. Um, she joined the Reopen New Hampshire group in May of 2020. In February of 22, she joined the group Freedom Convoy to D.C., Northeast Route. She's mocked. Democratic legislators that wear, that wear protective masks or put partitions. You know, keep in mind, this lunacy goes all the way up to the Supreme Court. You know, Justice Sotomayor is a diabetic. And like me, people with chronic lung conditions and diabetics 
are at extremely high risk of dying from COVID. And Sotomayor, Justice Sotomayor, is a type 1 diabetic, meaning that she had it from the time she was a child, which is actually more serious. Now, in response and decency, even though I don't like him, um, the Chief Justice, Chief Justice Roberts, asked all his colleagues to mask up for Sotomayor's sake. And everybody did, even Kavanaugh and Coney Barrett, except Neil Gorsuch. Neil Gorsuch not only refused to get vaccinated, he refuses to wear a mask. He knows he's placing Sotomayor's health and life at risk, but he's just that big a jackass. So when you have people in the Supreme Court setting such a shameful example, what do you expect? Delimus is one of those people that believes ivermectin is safe. Okay. Ivermectin is a dewormer for horses, for horse and sheep. It's not meant for humans. Good God. Delimus, Susan Delimus has also sponsored many far-right bills. In 21, she co-sponsored what's called, quote, the Anti-Sanctuary Act. And it would bar local jurisdictions from adopting limits to cooperating with the federal government uh, regarding immigration laws. Now, <coughs> do you not see the hypocrisy, although hypocrisy doesn't bother these lunatics? Here they claim the federal government has no legitimacy. And the federal government has no right to interfere in their local politics. But then she sponsors a bill to attack local ju jurisdictions that acted as sanctuaries for undocumented migrants in defiance of President Trump. See, this is the immaturity of the far right. Like spoiled children, dangerous spoiled children, unfortunately, um, the rules apply to little people, not to them. And then DeLima, Susan DeLemus voted against a bill to bar what are called, quote, quote, provocations based on a victim's actual or perceived gender identity from being used as a defense in manslaughter cases, end quote. <coughs> Again, this woman, she's vile. <coughs> Excuse me. Again, big bibliography. This, this is just the part one. We're going to go over this, this report more. But we just wanted, I wanted to touch on it, all right? Let's move on. So now, I guess we need a drum roll, don't we? Boom! The Jackass of the Week report. And you know, this is a very special Jackass of the Week. I, I'm, I'm, you know, my heart fills with such sentiment because this particular jackass of the week really is the epitome of Karenicity, as Dr. Rashad Ritchie would say. And the jackass of the week is U.S. Representative Elise Stefanik. Now, Ms. Stefanik entered the House of Representatives as, quote, a GOP moderate. But then she decided she was going to suck up to the monster of Mar-a-Lago, Donald Trump. So this is a, um, an article that ran May 16th from The Hill. Okay. 
And let's see now. And Business Insider. Okay. This one is from Business Insider. I stand corrected. And the headline reads, quote, once a moderate Republican, Elise Stefanik is now at the center of the anger over the Buffalo shooting. Now, keep in mind, Stefanik represents a district in New York State. A week ago, a white supremacist, little Nazi monster, 18-year-old, all hyped up on this whole, um, oh, what do you call it, this um, replacement theory coming from Tucker Carlson. He had planned it for a while, apparently. He had his weapons ready to go, and he shot up a grocery store in a black neighborhood, and he murdered several people. And yes, they caught him. But then, a week later, what about the ad Ms. Stefanik is running for her re-election? Not only that, her tweet. Apparently, she's been, quote, according to this article, tweeting up a storm following the Buffalo shooting. Uh, the Washington Post ran a story on her past comments, which did mirror the replacement theory rhetoric. And then Stefanik just got stubborn and accused Democrats of, quote, boosting voter rolls with undocumented immigrants. Okay, being for what is considered humane immigration uh, procedures is not the same as saying that we're going to allow people that are not citizens to vote. No Democrat has said that. Keep in mind, Ms. Stefanik is Harvard-educated, but apparently Harvard was wasted on her skanky self. So, you know, she arrived in Congress in 2015. She had flipped this Democratic district, and she was, you know, getting uh, praise for being a moderate Republican candidate, according to the Washington Post. Then toward the end of Obama's second term, she, you know, boosted her reputation. She was recruiting women to run for office with, under the GOP. All right, fine. I don't agree with her on everything, you know. <clears throat> then Donald Trump got elected. And as MAGA became more and more rabid, yeah, I went there, because MAGA people are rabid, dirty dogs. In fact, truth be told, that's really unreasonable of me. I shouldn't insult dogs that much. Anyway, Ms. Stefanik decided that she was going to become MAGA. And all of a sudden, she had a rapid rise through the party's leadership ranks, according to Business Insider. And then Trump predicted, according to Business Insider, and we see, we've heard the quote that, that Stefanik would, quote, be president in about six years. God help us. Now, then the Buffalo shooting happened. And it's, it's patently clear that the murderer, he's 18 years old, he left behind a 180-page manifesto that was clearly racist, um, neo-Nazi, pure hate and, and garbage. There's no, there's no question about what his motives were. And he murdered several people. So, you know, Stefanik initially, you know, issued this, like, condolence tweet 
She spent Sunday, um, you know, basically attacking Speaker Pelosi over the baby formula shortage. You know, that's another issue. But then come morning, but come Monday morning, she put out dual statements from herself and from a campaign spokesperson. And according to a Washington Post article, the, the article is titled, quote, Stefanik echoed racist theory allegedly espoused by Buffalo suspects. And the story highlighted past comments by Stefanik on immigration. The, those comments did echo the shooter's writings on what's considered white replacement theory, again, as documented in Business Insider. Uh, the white supremacist theory, white replacement theory, is that Democrats and a cabal of elites, especially a bunch of Jews, are plotting to, you know, basically overtake white Americans by pushing all these people of color in and taking over. Now, as an actual Jew myself, I, I know we are, you know, a very busy people. We, you know, we are energetic, but nobody's that energetic. But, you know, again, it's that crap. And Stefanik framed what uh, undocumented immigration as a way to, quote, Overthrow our current electorate, end quote. Uh, and here is the, um, one of the campaign ads that Stefanik put up. says the following, quote, Radical Democrats are planning their most aggressive move yet, a permanent election insurrection, and all in big caps. Their plan to grant amnesty to 11 million illegal immigrants will overthrow our current electorate and create a permanent liberal majority in Washington, end quote. Okay. Allowing undocumented people in our country is not the same as allowing non-citizens to vote. So the editorial board of the Albany Times Union newspaper did respond. And they said that Stefanik, quote, isn't so brazen as to use the slogans themselves. Rather, she couches the hate in alarmist anti-immigrant rhetoric that's become standard fare for the party of Donald Trump, end quote. Now, Stefanik's spokesperson is someone named Alex DeGrasse. And Mr. DeGrasse, I'm assuming it's A-L-E-X, so I'm assuming it's Mr. He tweeted throughout overnight, he tweeted the following, quote, any implication or attempt to blame the heinous shooting in Buffalo on the congresswoman is a new disgusting low for the left. They're never Trump allies. And the sycophant stenographers in the media, end quote. And then DeGrasse went on to say he called the shooting, quote, an act of evil, end quote. Then Mr. Stefanik, I'm not sorry, not Mr. Stefanik, Mr. DeGrasse, I'm sorry, you know, went on. And uh, let's see now. Oh, no, I stand corrected. Then Monday morning, Stefanik dug her heels in, and she tweeted uh, the following. This was on Sunday night. Quote, Democrats desperately want wide open borders and mass amnesty for illegals, allowing them to vote. Like the vast majority of Americans, Republicans want to secure our borders and to protect election integrity, end quote. Well, first of all, Ms. Stefanik is not this stupid, all right? Amnesty for undocumented or what they call illegal immigrants is not the same thing as allowing non-citizens the right to vote. They are two different things. She didn't care. Um, then Stefanik took to counterpunching, all right, 
Monday afternoon, she tweeted, quote, I continue to go on offense every day against Joe Biden and House Democrats' radical agenda, end quote. And then, you know, this goes along with, you know, this idea that Democrats and liberals in the White House are pedo-grifters, according to Twitter. And this is, a, the, the term pedo-grifter was in Elise Stefanik's Twitter feed. Um, because they sent baby formula to undocumented children in U.S. custody. So apparently Elise Stefanik is fine with undocumented babies starving to death because they're not white enough. And then a staffer for uh, one of Stefanik's constituent offices tried to clarify what Stefanik was saying when she met pedo grifters and that she was calling um, them, quote, children engaged in grifting, not pedophile. I'm not sure what that means. It's really weird. But she's running for re-election. And, you know, I would maintain that I think Stefana comes by her bigotry naturally. You know, her parents come from Russia. Now, my, my dad's parents both came from Russia. Now, it was a different Russia. Stefanik is Christian. My grandparents were Russian Jews. And the fact is that the Russian Orthodox Church was one of the great sponsors of the pogrom, which was a genocide uh, that was pushed against Jews. And um, I, I think that, Ms., again, it's hypothesis. I can't help wondering if Ms. Stefani comes by her, her bigotry, honestly. So, you know, once again, this... How can any of these tweets that Stefanik has put out be interpreted as anything more but a racist dog whistle that, frankly, is more of a bullhorn? Oh, excuse me. <coughs> and it's not the first time she's done this. That's the other thing. Apparently, in September of 21, she ran some ads on Facebook. Okay. Unless they made a mistake here. Um, you know, once again, Elise Stefanik was talking about another ad that ran with a photo of Biden. Um, again, quote, Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, and Nancy Pelosi are attempting to flood our voter rolls with 11 million new voters by giving illegal immigrants amnesty, end quote. The ad ran, okay, so this was this, was this year, I stand corrected. The ad ran this month, which coincides, I mean, the ad ran in September, Excuse me. And because this is from, I guess, September of 22, they must have had a typo here. Um, the ad coincided in September with the beginning of National Hispanic Heritage Month. So, you know, once again, um, Elise Stefanik, I, I think, frankly, she re received some credibility that she never deserved by calling her a moderate. I don't think she was ever a moderate, okay? I think that she just realized that with the rise of Trump, she would she could get away with voicing her bigotries, nothing more. And when you talk about Stefanik's ad, all right, keep in mind, these ads ran a week, a week after the Buffalo, New York mass murder in a grocery store, as I said before by the white supremacists. Now, this was a white supremacist who embraced the great replacement theory being pushed by Tucker Carlson. So in conjunction, I mean, in summation, 
Well, Stefanik spokesman is pouting and griping that the poor congressman be treated unfairly. Multiple black families are mourning their dead. Their loved ones were murdered by a racist monster, a racist monster that was clearly incited by Tucker Carlson and Republicans like Ms. Stefanik. And as for Ms. Stefanik, this happened in your state. You know, I don't know if Elise is listening. She probably isn't. But what I would say to Elise Stefanik is this happened in your state. And all your spokesman can do is complain about being called out on the ads that you authorized, which clearly are the same racist dog whistles that triggered this crime. Seriously? So for all those reasons, Elise Stefanik not only gets, not only is awarded the Jackass of the Week Award from Progressive News Network on Blog Talk Radio, but uh, I am nominating her for her Karenicity that she should be nominated for the award of Karen of the Month on Rashad Ritchie's show because she has demonstrated Karenicity above and beyond the duty of all Karens. The duty of all Karens, Karens being racist white women. Hmm. You can't make this stuff up. You just can't. It's when I look at the racism around us, it's beyond the pale. But you know what? Maybe there's maybe there's a bright spot in all this. You know? I mean, once if if we're lucky, we can push Stefanik out of politics. And then, you know, she can open a club for fellow Karens, the Karenicity Club, and she can be president of that, but not the United States. No. There's a word for violent, nasty bees like her. See, I said, I didn't say bitch, I said the B word. Well, actually, I did say it. All right, enough of that. With that, uh, I hope you learned something today. And with that, I say, ah, good night, and God bless us, because we certainly need it.